The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days, but that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Welcome back to The Right Opinion right here on the therightopinion.podbean.com, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com, and ratsaladreview.com. As well as your podcatcher of choice, just go ahead and search The Right Opinion. It'll be the one with the thumbnail that is black and white and red all over, like the New York Times used to be. Anyway, I am your not-so-humble host, Harrison Bergeron. Happy to have you all aboard. Look, guys, it's 2020, right? We all know. It's been a hell of a ride. Not all of us have had great years, but I think on Thanksgiving, being that most of you are probably listening to this on Thanksgiving, maybe while you're prepping some food or you're on your way to go see your relatives, which I encourage, despite the fact that the media and your politicians are likely telling you not to do that. Fuck them. Um, But, you know, 2020 has been a hell of a ride. We've all had a rough one, but at least we ain't the turkey on Thanksgiving. Am I right? And, uh, and, you know, speaking of some of your politicians telling you not to enjoy time with your family, look, we are the party of law and order, us Republicans and us right-wingers, we, that that is a part of our belief system. And law and order is good. But when the law reaches disorder, which is precisely where we're at now, where all of these governors are just grabbing power left and right, Pennsylvania is trying to, imp- in, you know, implement their own... 24-hour prohibition on Thanksgiving Eve. This stuff is just lunacy. I mean, look, respect authority to a certain extent, but never trust it. And certainly you are not under any obligation to follow their orders when they're making ridiculous claims like you can't go see your family and friends. Like, you're not capable of assessing whether or not it is worth your time and, for that matter, your health to deal with your family on Thanksgiving or enjoy the company of your family on Thanksgiving. That's your call. Look, many of us are looking to avoid some time with certain family members on Thanksgiving, and uh, and the governors may have just done us a solid on that front. My, I, for instance, will be going over to my parents' house, the Mama and Papa Bergeron, and uh, we invited some of the aunts and uncles who uh, generally provide less than an interesting commentary in regards to some of the things that are going on in the world. Uh, you can imagine what those conversations are like in the Bergeron household. Uh, I've got an uncle who's a super lib. Um, he also is a complete and utter waste of life. I assume those two things are connected. Um, and his son, even worse. And uh, yet, we got to sit here and, and listen to his opinions as if they're valid. So fortunately, we don't have to listen to Uncle Larry this year. And uh, and we will we will muster through Thanksgiving with a smaller Bergeron clan than usual. I'm sorry, group. I don't want to fucking group for my homie media people out there. But yes, no, we're not a clan by any stretch of the imagination. The only clan we support in the Bergeron household is Wu-Tang, bitch. Anyway, so let's get into some of our topics here. I wanted to give you guys a little bit of content for your cooking time or your travel time or whatever the case may be. And I know 
you, you guys want election updates. And I definitely will talk about something related to the election before this show is out. But I wanted to get into some more cultural stuff. Mostly because that's kind of what this show was supposed to be initially. I, I did not foresee myself doing, you know, interviews with Freemasons and, uh, and, and doing deep, you know, policy wonkery type dives and doing investigative reports on Michael Flynn's case. And that was really not the intention. Uh, I am from the Andrew Breitbart School of, uh, you know, School of Learning, the Andrew Breitbart Tree of Learning, if you want, several branches down. But virtually all of the influential political pundits that I listen to have, at one point or another, been touched by Andrew Breitbart. And Andrew Breitbart said many a brilliant thing, but the one thing that always rings true is that politics is downstream of culture. And boy, we got a couple of good examples of that. This particular week, as a matter of fact, sometimes even politics and culture collide in such a way to where they both expose themselves, and we'll, we will certainly talk about that. But I got to open up with this topic. You guys had to have known I was going to talk about this. Men in dresses. Yes, Harry Styles, formerly of some British boy band. I think it was One Direction. I don't know. He's supposed to be in the Marvel movies, too. We'll see. Uh, hopefully not wearing a dress, but uh, Harry Styles appears on the cover of Vogue in a dress. And this sparks, I, it didn't even spark controversy until people actually made, you know, reasonable commentary on it. But this was championed as some sort of super woke, super open-minded, super liberal ideology where men can wear dresses and it's totally normal. Yet, considering the fact it's totally normal... They sure made a big fucking deal out of it, which seems not so normal, right? If it's a normal thing for men to wear dresses, then why are we putting Harry Styles on the cover of Vogue in a dress and championing him for being so brave? Oh, he's so brave. He is so beautiful. He is stunning. And we will respect him. All right, maybe not. Not, not I, anyway. And look, like, the man makes the clothes, the clothes don't make the man. I, I think that that is one of those things that has been said a bajillion times because it's true. Whether we like to admit it or not, there is a lot of truth in stereotype and in cliches. And uh, as, a, as an old guitar player for a band I used to play in used to tell me, the basics are the basics because they work. And the basics are what they are because that's just what we've decided as a civilization they should be. Um... You know, the idea that men should be prancing around in dresses these days is a little concerning for me. I don't even, I mean, fortunately, I don't have a son, so I don't really have to worry about the, the strife of having to raise a man in today's world with the toxic masculinity and the Me Too and the rape culture and, oh my god, I'm getting dizzy just thinking about it. I uh, I have a daughter, thankfully, um, you know, she should be wearing dresses, and she does, and she enjoys them, and there's no qualms from dad on that front. She's adorable. Obviously, we love Little Miss Bergeron, but, um, so Harry Styles wearing this dress, and again, like I said, the man makes the clothes, the clothes don't make the man, all of that is true. There was also another one of those kind of cliches that was flung around, kind of when I was growing up a lot, and this whole notion of real men wear pink. Okay, I mean, real men can wear pink, because real men are not all that necessarily concerned with it, but wearing pink does not make you a real man, and that actually is what brings us Back to Harry Styles is that there's this notion that by having the gumption, the audacity, the testicular fortitude, maybe the ovarian fortitude in this particular case, 
he is somehow a brave, bold, manly man because he's willing to put on a dress and get paid millions of dollars or at least thousands of dollars to have his picture taken and slapped on magazines. Look, folks, I mean, you want to you wanna be all up on Harry Styles' shit? I, I mean, that's fine if you like subpar talented musicians. Um, that That's your thing. I mean, you're, you are welcome to like Harry Styles. But ladies, let me just tell you something that you're aware of but you don't want to admit out loud because you don't want to be, um, you know, accused of not being fully and appropriately woke. If any random guy that you knew was wearing a dress and walked up to you and asked you out on a date, you would say no. You know you would say no, and it's only because uh, Harry Styles was wearing this dress that it was even remotely appealing to you for even a second, if it was even appealing for you for even that second. Real men can wear dresses, real men can wear pink. Yeah, real men can do a lot of things. You have to first be a real man in order to have those things not affect your real mandom. Wearing pink and wearing dresses does not make you a man. And and I won't even go as far as to say it makes you less of a man. But it certainly does not ring, you know, typical masculinity when people look at you. They're not going, oh, there's a real man's man right there in that dress and those heels. No one thinks that in the real world. This is one of these things that people only think and only say on social media because they don't have to look somebody in the face and say it out loud. Because if they did, those people would point and laugh at them as many of us were doing on social media over the last week. And this gets to a certain point to where what's the goal here, right? Politics is downstream of culture. So what? where is the political ramification of this, if any? The, the pussification of men. That's where we're at here. When we're looking back at the 2020 election in particular, you got Donald Trump who like him, love him, or indifferent to him. The dude is an alpha male in every sense of the word. He likes red meat, big-breasted women, gold, you know, nice expensive shit. He is, you know, he he is an alpha male. And for all of, you know, his, his shortcomings in terms of being a good husband, by all accounts, he seems to be a pretty good father. He pumped out some pretty good kids. Uh, Baron, obviously Don Jr., Eric, Ivanka, Ivana, almost confused her. No, Ivanka, Ivana was the wife. And Tiffany, who obviously Donald wasn't a huge part of her life growing up necessarily. She seemed to turn out all right as well. She's now doing this weird thing where she's desperately trying to be Ivanka, and it's just... It's not going to work. Just do you, Tiff. And uh, for that matter, just just stay away from the limelight. It's just it's not a good place to be for anybody with the last name Trump. And for that matter, like I said, the put the pussification of America. When you look back at these 2020 election results, Donald Trump, despite the fact that everyone and their mother was claiming that this guy is a racist and a misogynist and all of these things that they claimed he was and in a in a, a bigot against LGBTQ people. Well, let's look at the facts. Donald Trump increased his voter percentage amongst blacks, amongst Hispanics, amongst the LGBT community, and amongst married women. Because, let's face it, the single women are just miserable people, and uh, their cats probably voted for them. That said, Donald Trump lost with men. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, all real men vote Republican, although, if you really look at the values of the Republican Party, the Republicans are the ones that believe that men should be the head of the household, not necessarily the, you know, the god king of the household, right? But you should be the breadwinner, winner. you should be the protector. It's not a bad thing if you're not the breadwinner, but there are certain responsibilities that men have, particularly in marriages and, and, and you know, in, the, in relation to parenthood, 
that men have always fulfilled and women have always fulfilled kind of the opposite end. It's the yin and the yang. Men and women are very different. They are very capable of doing very similar things, but at the end of the day, we are very different people, quite literally. And so men are typically the providers and the protectors, and women are typically rearing children and you know helping out domestically and whatnot. Not to suggest that everybody needs to be the fucking cleavers, you know, leave it to Beaver or whatever it was. I think that's they were the cleavers, right? Wally Be Wally Cleaver, Wally, whatever. Leave it to Beaver, the the Beave. Um, you know, it, it doesn't need to be pleasant, Phil, all the time. But men who believe that that is their role take more responsibility, are more aggressive in protecting their families, are more likely to take risks and to fail, but to take those risks nonetheless because they have something that they're fighting for. These pussified men that are out there, the ones that are wearing dresses, they don't believe in this sort of stuff. Harry Styles has enough money to where he'll be able to provide for whatever lucky young man or woman he ends up with long term. But if he didn't, would he be the type of guy that would work double shifts to make sure that there was food on the table for his kid and his wife? Maybe he is. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know him all that well, nor do I care to. But this idea that we can, you know, the, the softening of men is really what I think led to Donald Trump losing appeal amongst men. Obviously, there's the, uh, you know, there's a the certain section of men out there that are pussy whipped and they're told by their girlfriends or their wives, you yeah, know, how dare you vote for him? And if you hear that long enough, you eventually just cave even though you could have just voted for Trump in the privacy of your voting booth or um, with your mail-in ballot, although maybe that even made things a little bit more difficult this time around, too. You're sitting around with the wife, filling out the ballots. You can't quite sneak that Donald Trump vote in where you might have in a voting booth somewhere. So maybe even that played a role. But again, the traditional values of right-wingers, of conservatives, of libertarians, a lot of it having to do with personal responsibility and, and achieving and living up to that responsibility. And in the case of many men, that is, again, to be the provider and the protector. You see a lot of providers and protector men walking around in dresses? No, you don't. You see a lot of them in Carhartt jackets or, or you know, whatever it is, pair of blue jeans, uh, you know, the guys that are working with their hands. And, you know, you don't even necessarily need to work with your hands to be a provider. But those are the, those are the men, you know, the, the mechanics the uh, the HVAC guys, the firefighters, the police officers. <gasps> Did he say something nice about the police officers? You're goddamn right I said something nice about the police officers. I don't know what fucking show you thought you were listening to, but hopefully you fucking know now. Nevertheless, um, stop wearing dresses. And if you, any of you have a dress in your closet right now and you're a man, burn that shit, okay? That, that, that is my request to you from the right opinion is stop being a pussy, man the fuck up, be a man and, uh, and, and fulfill the responsibilities that were endowed upon you by our creator. And so we're going to move on from this subject because I think I've kind of ranted myself into a circle here. But let's keep with some of the pop culture stuff. Let's talk Emmy Awards. Andrew Cuomo is, a gonna, is about to win an Emmy Award for excellence in use of television during the COVID pandemic. Now, in fairness... Andrew Cuomo is easily the best actor on television. I mean, he's been acting like he's been doing a good job with this pandemic since it started, when literally every statistic will tell you otherwise. But don't worry, he's got a poster, he's got a book deal, his name has been thrown around in consideration to be possible President-elect Cellophane's attorney general, a, a role that he will not take because it's just not glamorous enough for him. Andrew Cuomo, now an Emmy Award winner. 
And again, he's a hell of an actor. He acts like he knows what he's talking about. He acts like he isn't politicizing every aspect of this. He acts like he doesn't say the dumbest conceivable things. And then when somebody like Trump calls him out for it, he acts like he didn't say it the first time. It is quite amazing. Now, I've, I've heard Mario Cuomo. I'm sorry. That's his father. They're all the same sort of scumbag. Andrew Cuomo. I've heard him referred to as Super Mario on steroids. I believe Derek Hunter from the Derek Hunter podcast refers to him as that. I personally think he's actually King Bowser wearing a Mario suit. I see you, and you're not fooling me. And uh, so, what did he win an Emmy Award for? I mean, obviously he was on television acting like he was doing a good job, but is that really Emmy-worthy? Well, folks, for those of you who had doubts, I present to you Andrew Cuomo and his brother Fredo in this glorious comedy sketch, disguised as a supposed news program, here are the Cuomos. Godspeed. This process. First of all, is it true that when you were having the test administered, you inhaled and the doctor's finger went all the way up your nose and got stuck and it had to be released with a tool? Is that true? Just to, just to deal no, with the record. She, she, she wanted to comment that I have a little button nose, mm. and she was afraid that the swab would actually hurt because it, it extended my uh, nasal cavity. The proboscis uh, she was issue. speaking about the delicacy of, of the nose. Of the nose, yes. and that's what, you know what, I understand. This is the normal swab I'm holding up here now for everybody at home. A very valuable object. There's only one company in the entire country that makes these up in Maine, all right? Here's the swab. Is it true that this was the swab that the nurse was actually using on you and that at first it went into your nose and disappeared so that in scale, this was the actual swab that was being used to fit up that double barrel shotgun that you have mounted on the front of your pretty face. <laughs> See, I said I was going to be nice and sweet. I just want a yes, no. And was, I was it trying. this? I was trying. Or was it this? Very hard. Look. <laughs> Which was it? <laughs> They're so funny, aren't they? They're so cute. CNN, you know, God bless them. The China News Network, China News Network, they lifted a six year ban that Chris Cuomo had, a self imposed ban, mind you that they were smart enough to put on in the first place, but not smart enough to continue to implement. There was a six-year ban on Chris Cuomo interviewing his brother on television. But of course, Andrew Cuomo did such a stellar job handling this pandemic. He only had one of, if not the highest per capita death rates in the world, that they decided to lift that ban so that these guys can get on television and yuck it up for you. This guy's winning an Emmy. Clearly, for things like this. I'm going to move on now before I get any more fucking pissed off about Fredo and his dumbass brother. Usually, Fredo is the dumbass brother, but no, they're both dumbasses. Only one of them can be Fredo. I like Chris slightly less. So, let's talk about Iran. I know this sort of seems like it's coming out of left field, but in full disclosure, I haven't had a ton of time to sit here and dig through possible president-elect's cellophane's cabinet just yet, but I do know that he has supposedly, potentially, possibly nominated Tony Blinken to be his Secretary of State. Now, I don't know a ton about Tony Blinken. Honestly, I feared it was going to be John Kerry or Susan Rice. We may have dodged a bullet, 
on that front. But here's what I do know, is that Joe Biden and his foreign policy record is just abysmal, right? I can, I can assume that Tony Blinken is probably the same level of globalist moron who will inevitably initiate some action that will result us in, in getting involved in yet another endless regime change war that never actually changes a regime and isn't really a war because we don't actually fight it to win. We fight it to not lose, which is a, a really good way to continue to fund the military industrial complex, but neither here nor there at the moment. More specifically, I believe that possible President-elect Cellophane has tapped Mr. Blinken to get us back into the Iran deal. Now, that's a problem on its face since the Iran deal was undoubtedly an awful deal that was going to virtually guarantee that Iran had nuclear weapons capabilities by the time that the deal was done. And the fact that Iran is undoubtedly one of the most evil regimes on the face of the earth, right up there with China and, and our buddies down in North Korea. So why is this an even bigger problem than the big problem of just getting back into the deal? Well, I will tell you. Biden wants to get back into this deal really, really badly. Because he thinks that it was some big mistake to pull out of it in the first place, even though it was actually a completely useless deal from the jump, and it was a disaster to be involved in in the first place, not to mention the $1.5 billion that was dropped via, you know, uh, on pallets of worth of cash, and Project Cassandra, where Hezbollah was just openly selling all sorts of narcotics within the United States with the knowledge of uh, the White House, and it was just allowed to go on because we didn't want to rustle any feathers uh, or ruffle any feathers, I guess, over in Iran. Do they have feathers over there? I don't know. Possibly. Neither here nor there. Here's the big problem, is that Iran knows Joe Biden wants to get back into this deal. And if he can't get back into this deal, it's going to look like a massive failure because all he did was talk about how we need to get back into the Iran deal. This is you know, one of the few bold foreign policy statements that he actually made a declarative statement on throughout the course of the election and the debates. He wants to get back into the Iran deal. Well, problem is, is that Iran knows this now, and they know that he needs to get back into it. Otherwise, he's going to look like he failed miserably. So, I mean, the Iranians are evil. They're not stupid. They know that he needs to get back into this deal to make it look like he picked up a W. So, are they going to just, oh, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll just get back into that deal? No, of course they're not. The ball is entirely in their court now. They get to set the terms. So they're not going to just jump back into the same deal that the, that, that the Trump administration pulled us out of. They're going to want a little bit more because the only people who are going to look like they won out of this whole thing is the Biden administration if they can get back into it. So Iran's going to hold their feet to the fire. They're going to dangle that carrot. And they're going to ask for even more stupid shit and even more leniency than they were getting before. And they'll probably get it because Joe Biden has to get us back into this Iran deal. He has to. He kept saying over and over again what a terrible mistake it was to get out of it in the first place. If he doesn't get back into it, well, I would like to say that he'd look like a hypocrite. But he's been doing that for 47 years and somehow he's our possible president-elect cellophane. So... You know, the Biden administration will inevitably end up entering into a modified version of this deal that will be even worse than the original. And the guy who's going to get all the blame for it isn't the guy who signed the first deal, nor is it the guy that re-entered the even dumber version of the deal. 
it'll be the guy that pulled us out of the deal, Donald Trump. Of course. It's amazing. It's like clockwork. Folks, I'm not even reporting to you today's news. I am reporting to you tomorrow's news because rest assured, this will be the Iran shell game that will occur at some point in the spring should possible President-elect Cellophane take office. And so, speaking of possible President-elect Cellophane, I did promise you a little bit of an election update. I don't have a ton to work off of, although there are hearings going on today in Pennsylvania. I believe Rudy Giuliani uh, was down there with some of the witnesses, and uh, they were reading off their testimonies. And uh, one of them was pretty damning. There's a, there's a clip that I believe Donald Trump retweeted from uh, Right Side Broadcast Network. And the clip was of the witness explaining these random and extreme spikes that, are, that were occurring in the wee hours of the morning for, for these vote tallies. And there was one set of votes that came in where 600,000 votes went to Joe Biden and 3,200 went to Donald Trump. And when those numbers were read out loud, people in the room literally fucking gasped. Because that's unheard of. And when you hear that, there is absolutely no reasonable explanation for something like that to happen other than there being fraud. There's no conceivable way that you can, you can imagine a block of, what is it, 603,200 votes come in and 600,000 of them are for Joe Biden and only 3,200 are for Donald Trump. There isn't a county in this country where those are the, that is the ratio. Not one. Not in the bluest of blue states will you find a ratio of votes like that. It's absurd, and the only way that that could be happening is through some semblance of voter fraud. Now, before I get into Sidney Powell here, I do want to address one thing about the Georgia hand recount. There's a lot of people saying, well, the Dominion voting machines can't be turning over the election because they just counted all of the ballots in Georgia by hand, and it matched the count. First and foremost, that's not true. That is something that has been bandied about. It did match in many of the counties, but we did find counties that had entire batches of votes that were just conveniently located. And of course, those batches of votes swung heavily for Donald Trump. How many of those batches were eviscerated entirely that we will never see? One can only speculate, and that's all I'm doing at this moment in time. That said, if you've been following all of this, and you have some semblance of an idea of how they probably did this, which is what I'm going to give you right now. They probably, assuming all of the claims that I'm hearing from the Sidney Powells, the Linwoods, the Rudy Giuliani's, and the various affidavits that have come along with all that testimony are true, what probably happened, if you were to take all of those things as fact and come up with one mainstream kind of storyline that, that flows through all of those different points, what probably happened was there was some sort of algorithm in place in the voting machines. That algorithm may have very well been broken because of the overwhelming turnout for Donald Trump. Or even if it wasn't broken, maybe it just wasn't calibrated enough. So in the wee hours of the morning, we've now got to shut everything down as all of these places did in all these swing states, Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, North Carolina, they all just like suddenly stopped counting in the middle of the night. Why? Well, they needed to recalibrate. So what they were doing, in all likelihood, 
is using the Dominion machines to manipulate the digital vote count. And in order to then have a backup, they were mass-producing ballots. Some ballots came into Georgia that weren't even folded, which is weird because they would have had to have been folded to get into an envelope to be mailed into the facility. There were stacks of these unfolded, perfectly marked, only at the top of the ballot ballots that happened to come in. This is extremely rare, extremely unlikely that that is just a, 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 a weird conglomeration of people who magically found a way to, uh, to, to mark their ballots perfectly only at the top of the ballot, only for Biden, and find a way to mail that ballot without folding it. This is, all of that is virtually impossible. The only way that that could have happened is if somebody was just bringing in manufactured ballots. So, again, they've got the Dominion machines, potentially. Again, we're assuming a lot here, but it, it, taking all of those assumptions and trying to make one story out of them is kind of where I'm at right now. So... They have the Dominion machines flipping the votes. They have people manufacturing the ballots. They realize at 3, 4 in the morning, what is it, 2, 3, 4 in the morning, shit, we don't have enough ballots to back up all the votes that we need to flip. Let's shut everything down. Let's get back into production mode. Start pumping out all these ballots. We'll come back in the morning. We'll dump all of these batches into the system. Yeah, it'll look conspicuous. Don't worry about it. The media will cover for us because not only the media, but social media is pretty much banning, if not blacklisting, anybody who even makes a mention of the freaking fraud in any way, shape, or form. Even if you post videos of Democrats making similar claims from years ago, those also get flagged now. So Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar are now right-wing conspiracy theorists. I gotta tell you, 2020 throwing us a lot of curveballs. I didn't see that one coming whatsoever. So back to my story here. So they're using the Dominion votes to f manipulate the digital count. They're using manufactured mail-in ballots or harvested mail-in ballots from dead people, old people, sick people, dogs, kids, whatever, wherever, anywhere they can get their hands on a ballot, they are trying to get one, mark it for, for Biden, and get it into the system. Also in Georgia is that all of the security, um, the, the signature, I guess it is the signature verification, there's a part of it that's on the envelope and a part of it that's on the ballot. When it's counted the first time, those two are separated and the envelope is gotten rid of. So there's no way now to go back and check those signatures against the original signatures, which creates obviously a big problem when you're trying to do a recount, you're trying to audit the votes. You can't audit the votes if there's nothing to audit them against. So again, using the digital system to manipulate the actual vote tallies, using manufactured or mass produced or harvested votes to then provide a paper equivalent to all of those digital votes that had been flipped. And then you get yourself into a scenario where, like I said, at, at the multiple, at the wee hours of the morning, they realize, oh, shit, we don't have enough ballots to pump through right now. And if this keeps going at the rate it's going, Donald Trump is going to have to be declared the winner of some of these states, and we can't allow that. So they shut everything down. They go pumping into the ballots. This is, again, where you see a lot of these only marked off at the top of the ticket ballots because, again, to quote Derek Hunter uh, of the Derek Hunter podcast, formerly the Daily Daily Caller podcast, um, he said, you know, when you're shooting for volume, you don't go fill out the whole ballot. You just mark off the top. And many of them, like I said, that one that one witness, at least one witness in Georgia stated that they saw thousands of ballots that were all marked off uniformly, perfectly in the bubble, almost like it was printed. And they were all for Biden, every single one of them. 
You know, with all the talk about fraud, yet to hear any sort of fraud related to any additional votes for Donald Trump, right? You haven't heard a wink, a whisper, a nothing, not even a, uh, uh, just not even a thought has been expressed in relation to any illegal or invalid votes being handed to Donald Trump. Not one. It's weird how that always works, right? I mean, there's a reason that people always say that the dead people vote for Democrats, and that's because the dead people typically always work for <laughs> vote for Democrats because the Democrats are the ones that are always trying to cheat. Now, are they always successful? No, typically not. One could even say in 2016, why? well, if they stole it this time, why wouldn't they have just done it in 2016? And that brings me to the one answer that it always comes back to. They never thought they could lose. They didn't even think it was a possibility that Donald Trump could beat Hillary Clinton. Think, as wrong as the polls were this time around, think about how wrong they were that time around. 1% chance to win, 0% chance to win. He needs to win, you know, like an in, in extraordinary amount of states that he's not even projected to be even be close in in order to win. Well, he won, didn't he? And that's probably because they didn't cheat, or at least in as large of a fashion that time around. They were not going to make that mistake this time around. But that isn't to say that Hillary didn't cheat in 2016. There was a lot of rumors, a lot of reports, and a lot of speculation, and for that matter, a lot of evidence, whether or not it actually proves anything, it is still evidence that Hillary Clinton may very well have stolen the 2016 Democratic primary from Bernie Sanders, particularly in California. And, oddly enough, Dominion voting machines were involved in that. Now, some of you may have seen this going around, is that Dominion Voting and the Clinton Foundation, or the Clinton Global Initiative, do have some partnerships. I believe one of them called the Del Delian Project, D-E-L-I-A-N Project. You can Google the Delian Project on, uh, and, and for that matter, look it up on the Clinton Global Initiative website. And sure enough, there's a nice little page there where it says global, you know, the Clinton Global Initiative, blah, 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 Delian Project. And then one of the first couple lines there, it mentions specifically Dominion Voting. So there is a business relationship in some way, shape, or form between the Clinton family and the Dominion voting machine. Just that in and of itself, pretty sketchy, especially considering when she was running for office and people were paying Dominion to run their elections. No one at any point along the line thought, hmm, maybe we shouldn't pick this voting company, being that they're closely tied to like a major political family. Nope, just keep on going through. And there was a lot of evidence. Actually, I provide a link in the show notes here that does a pretty good breakdown, actually, from counterpunch.org. And the headline reads, Clinton does better where voting machines flunk hacking tests. Hillary Clinton versus Bernie Sanders election fraud allegations. So there was a bunch of voting machines that flunked hacking tests. Dominion machines, by the way, in many cases, if not all. And those machines... When, when they flunked those hacking tests, conspicuously, the machines and the districts that use those machines went more heavily for Hillary Clinton. Whereas, if you did an analysis of the paper ballots that were being cast at that time, obviously not universal voting, but um, uh, enough of it was being done during paper ballots to show that there was a difference there, a significantly larger percentage of the paper ballots were going to Bernie Sanders. So when there's a paper trail, Bernie was winning. When there's an electronic voting machine in the mix, Hillary Clinton was winning. And we all, I think we all know, as crazy as Bernie Sanders is, he's still more likable than Hillary Clinton. And a large portion of why Hillary Clinton lost is not only because she's unlikable and because Donald Trump was who he was, 
It's because a lot of women don't respect Hillary Clinton. She was one of those wives that just stood there next to the podium while their scumbag husband apologized for a bunch of shit to the world that they really should just be apologizing to them personally for. And we all know why Hillary Clinton stuck around, and it was because she wanted to be the president. Luckily for all of us, that didn't pan out. Unfortunately for Bill, he's had to deal with that wench for all these years. Now, it doesn't really matter all that much, being that they don't spend a whole lot of time together except for when they're doing podcasts. And when they even do that, Bill can't help but making side-eye at her because she is just an unbelievably unlikable human being. But Sidney Powell did this week when she was talking about the Dominion voting systems specifically mention Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and that 2016 primary. She also went on to mention, and this is not in the article that I linked for you, she went on to mention Brian Kemp and the Secretary of State of Georgia, both Republicans to my knowledge, may very well have some sort of financial interest in Dominion. Now, as the governor and the Secretary of State, they're kind of in charge of a lot of things having to do with the state elections, right? They even go as far as to select the voting machines and obviously pay out a, a check to the company that they're contracting to handle the elections. Brian Kemp wrote a $107 million check to Dominion Voting from, you know, the, the coffers of the state of Georgia for Dominion to run the voting system. Now, Dominion was turned away in Texas and other states because it didn't really pass the muster. As a matter of fact, when you look at the actual manual for Dominion Voting, it says that there is a high risk for certain attacks on the system. And yet, Georgia went ahead, along with 28, 30 other states, all decided to implement Dominion Voting. And it's being reported that of the offers given to the state of Georgia by various voting companies, Dominion was the cheapest. So Dominion cuts Brian Kemp a deal. Brian Kemp cuts Dominion a deal. Maybe Brian Kemp's getting a little something out of it in the form of what Sidney Powell refers to as election insurance. Hey, if you're the one paying the voting company, maybe, just maybe, they can... uh pull a few strings for you and make sure some votes are flipped and you stay in power so that you can re-up your contract with them and hand them another $100 million check a year or two down the road. Look, there's a lot of conjecture and speculation in that statement, but does any of that sound out of the realm of possibilities? Where's Brian Kemp been throughout this whole process? He's been very quiet, even though he has been a very loud and, uh, and you know, very loud Trump supporter and uh, in a very loud kind of conservative right-winger. He was one of the first governors that opened stuff up, and he was lambasted for it. Mind you, he's not really the governor, because Stacey Abrams actually won that election, even though she lost it by more than 50,000 votes. But she's allowed to bitch about voter suppression that there's no evidence of, whereas the actual voter fraud that there is evidence of merits a flag and censorship and shunning, in some cases, from society altogether. So, look. I really wish I had really good news for you about the about these, this election outcome. I don't. I don't have good news for you. I don't have bad news for you either, though. Possible president-elect Cellophane is not the president-elect yet. Let's hope to God that he doesn't end up being the president-elect. And, uh, and, you know, one last thing I do want to say is that obviously check out, well, I guess maybe not one last thing, a couple last things. Definitely check out some of these hearings. There will be one that, that took place on Wednesday. So if you guys are listening to this on Thanksgiving yesterday, there will also be another one that takes place on Monday. Uh, and there'll probably be quite a few of them. Where can you find these things? Um, OANN, Newsmax, 
uh, right side broadcast network on YouTube, RSBN. If you just type that into YouTube, I think it'll pop up first. Uh, these are some of the right-wing outlets. Like, look, are they biased? Are uh, Yeah, obviously. Are they down the middle? No, not even close. They are very right-wing and in a lot of cases very pro-Trump. But you're not going to see this stuff anywhere else. And it's not as if they're sitting there telling you what happened. They will often show you exactly what happened. They're running these hearings in long form all over the Internet. So if you can get a hold of it, take a look at it. If you can read an article about what might have happened there, by all means do that because you're not going to hear any of the positives that may have come out of any of these things from CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, and even Fox News now. So you really have to go out of your way to try to find this information, which is why I really do appreciate anybody who tunes into this show to get some information. I'm putting it out there, and I certainly am not doing it for my health. <laughs> As a matter of fact, this show causes a little stress from time to time, especially when I got some of the bigger episodes going. Like last, the last episode I put out, Man, that thing was rattling around in my head for like a week. It was driving me crazy. I was losing sleep, uh, which is just a common thing these days, I guess. So I'm just going to have to get used to not sleeping. I, I need I need a, a mattress or a, or a sheets sponsor or something like that on this show so that I could talk about how I don't actually sleep, but I get to enjoy these products all night because I'm not, a, because I'm not asleep and I'm awake to enjoy the softness of the mattress or the plushness of the pillows or whatever it is. Mike Lindell. Hit your boy up. We'll make something happen. I have a my pillow, by the way, and it's glorious. Nevertheless, um, so that's it. I, again, I don't really have good news for you on that front. Um, the 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 good news, I guess, is is yet to come. Hopefully, Sidney Powell hasn't filed any of these massive lawsuits that she's claiming she will file. We will see what happens there. Um, she apparently was separated from the Trump legal team, although personally never really considered her part of the Trump legal team. I knew very much that she was off doing her own thing. She just happens to be working in conjunction with Rudy. They're sharing information. That's without dispute. And um, and and I guess the, the one last thing I really wanted to get to was the fact that Donald Trump has authorized the, the GSA, um, the, the, the means to go ahead and allocate funds to the transition team. So Whereas the media kept telling you Donald Trump's going to hold himself up in that bunker that he hid in when all those nice, peaceful protesters were outside the White House, and he's not going to leave, and they're going to have to send in SEALs to drag him kicking and screaming out of the White House. None of that is true. If Donald Trump loses this election, or at a bare minimum has not achieved the success that he's looking for in these legal proceedings between now and January 20th, Joe Biden will take the oath of office. Donald Trump will return to his life as a billionaire, playboy, genius philanthropist. Oh, wait, that might be Tony Stark. But he's got a few of those in there. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that'll that unfortunately be the way that it goes. I think a lot of these cases will continue even beyond Inauguration Day. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to get much in in the way of John Durham. John Durham, the big, the big Durham report that we were waiting on for two years, not coming to fruition because John... Good old U.S. Attorney John Durham, who was supposed to be the bulwark for, uh, you know, bulwark against corruption, is apparently a big pussy. And he's worried about getting blowback from the possible president-elect cellophane administration. I, I got to tell you, man, I'm really, really fucking disappointed in Bill Barr, in John Durham, in John Huber, in, in OIG, Michael Atkinson. I mean, there's just a lot of people who saw a lot of fucking corruption and have done nothing about it. And at a certain point, you got to start wondering if they're just complicit in it, right? I mean, Bill Barr always seemed like a straight shooter to me. I know he's got some some ties and some history that some people like to point to, but 
I mean, for the large part, he really has said all the right things. It's just, is he going to ever actually do any of them? We'll see. He has been very quiet during this election cycle, which is probably the most concerning because it's not like he's going to be the attorney general when Joe Biden takes office. So he really doesn't have a whole lot to lose right now. And the fact that he's being as quiet as he is, it's really disappointing. So uh, I'm not ready to completely fold on these guys yet. But I do have to say, if you're waiting for these people to show up and be your heroes, I, I wouldn't hold your breath, honestly. Um, remember, hey, at the end of the day, you are your own first responder, okay? Make things happen for you. Call your congressman. Start kicking and screaming and say, you know, why, are, why aren't you even remotely concerned about the election fraud? Even if you don't think it'll overturn the election, shouldn't we know about the fraud so that we can prevent it in Georgia in the special runoff race that's coming up or in the next election in 2022 when there'll be a lot of important congressional seats up for grabs, and for that matter, 2024, when Donald Trump reclaims the presidency once and for all. And yeah, I mean once and for all, because that time, once he gets in, then he ain't going anywhere. He'll make himself king, and America will be better for it. <laughs> all right, triggered a few people on the way out the door, I hope. But that's it. That's all I really got for you. I just wanted to hit on a couple of these topics. I know a lot of this has been rambly. There's a few notes for you, uh, a few links for you in the show notes this week. So definitely check those out if you're looking for some light reading. Also, um, what is the uh, the new couple things that I'm hitting on? I, I like to give you guys some other stuff to check out besides me because like, look, I, I like doing this. I love that you guys tune in, but obviously this is not my full-time gig, nor is it going to be anytime soon. I can't give you all the information I want. I can't sit down and do all the shows I want to do for you. I just physically don't have the time or the energy. And even if I did, there's people and things in my life that aren't more important, but they're going to feel very neglected if I'm not spending the amount of just time on those things, friends, family, work, girlfriend, all of that good stuff. And yes, it's that same girlfriend who left and she's back now and all is good in the hood. Um, so that being said, in addition to going to the right opinion.podbean.com and hummingmediagroup.podbean.com and ratsaladreview.com to check out this podcast as well as searching the right opinion on your podcatcher of choice and clicking on the thumbnail that's black and white and red all over like the New York Times used to be. And in addition to following my social media feeds on Twitter, Parlor, and Instagram at rightopinionpod, check out Stu Does America on Blaze TV. Definitely a really informative podcast. Actually, another one on the Blaze that I'm, I'm starting to like a little bit more is um is Steve Dace D E A C E very very good guy very very you know rational very analytical um gets a little feisty though he's kind of got a look, he's got a little George Costanza in him which would probably upset him if he ever heard anyone say that but that's kind of what I like in it too so if you if you got a little you know Seinfeld uh you know the soft spot in your heart for for Costanza um Steve Dace has got a little of that I mean he's not quite you know freaking out in the way that George used to but He's a relatively mild-mannered guy until he's not, and then shit gets really interesting. So definitely check out Steve Dace, D-E-A-C-E, on The Blaze, as well as Stu Does America, also on The Blaze. And I think I talked about it last week, but if you're not reading Diana West's blog, I believe it's dianawest.net, check it out. Uh, she's got some little quick things that she puts up every day. You really get a look into the mind of a very brilliant, beautiful, well-spoken woman who has plenty to say on these subject matters and I really need to get in touch with Miss Weston and see if I could get her on the show one of these days because she's got this thing. She's she's um you know she she's very right wing. She's very much in line with a lot of things you hear on this podcast, but she's still really on the hunt for communists. And while I see communists everywhere, she actually finds people that actually have ties to communism 
that are interwoven in political parties, major corporations, and all that sort of stuff. And she's been on the hunt for that. The Red Thread was her most recent book. Definitely check that out. And if you can do the audiobooks, do the audiobooks. Definitely worth a listen. Uh, she's just got a really, really nice voice, and it definitely makes it easier to listen to. So uh, that being said, I got nothing else for you. I gave you all the plugs. So I guess it's just time to remind you that opinions, they are like assholes. Everybody's got one, but this asshole has the right opinion, and you can only catch it right here on the Right Opinion Podcast. I'm Harrison Bergeron, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.